welcome back to VirtuePod, the podcast where we talk about Vice businesses and the people who found them. If you're wondering why it's not called Vice, that name was already taken. Today, I'm talking to Ivy Asterix, who is currently on sabbatical, but has previously worked across tech, cannabis, sex work, and crypto. I know Ivy through Unlonely and Farcaster and Twitter, just kind of running in the same circles. She is a incredibly thoughtful and resilient person, as you will hear in the episode. And I'm really excited to chat with her today. Welcome, Ivy. Can you start with a bit about you? I was in traditional tech for a long time before I started transitioning. I moved to Vancouver in 2018 to take a job in the cannabis industry. I came out when I was at a cannabis industry job and went to a very like normy, wonderful, but very normy Shopify startup for about a year and left that job and then just posted, Hey, someone please hire me on Twitter. And then Koki Hesiodis from Twally now Drifty reached out and went through the whole interview process, not to flex, but I went through like two and then she emailed me on her way back from a conference and she was like, yeah, I'm not good at playing coy Ivy. You're the best person we've like ever interviewed. So we just want to like hire you. I was like, okay, that's great. I don't want to do any more coding tests because I can't stand them. <laughs> During the, the job I had in cannabis and even before I was heavily involved in cannabis activism here and that kind of translates into sex worker activism too. Can you connect that? I can yeah. understand how that would be the case, but what does that actually look like? So I would say that... Okay, not to give you a whole political science lesson, but basically Canada... Do it. No, do it. Okay, okay. <laughs> so Canada used to have two main political parties, the Liberals, which are still here. And we used to have the Progressive Conservatives. Those are more like middle-of-the-road Conservatives. Now we have the Conservative Party, which I think they're kind of hard right. Some people might disagree and say they're only like pretty like normal right, but they are not the... Like they're not the, the Progressive Conservatives. Um so when they first got in, Stephen Harper was like, oh, you won't recognize Canada when I'm done with it. And, and then he got a majority and started doing all kinds of like awful things. So there was a court case and I'm going to try to remember it, RV Bedford or Bedford v. Canada, which was the owner or the or a dominatrix working in a brothel house. And, and they basically challenged our laws on, on, on prostitution because there weren't really any and the restrictions on what was called body houses, B-A-W-D-Y, I had to look it up when I first read about it, were deemed unconstitutional. And somehow we went from that to we have the awful Nordic model here. And a lot of the same people were kind of like involved in activism, whether it was like sex work related or, or cannabis related. I guess it's half kind of knowing the same people and kind of being in that scene. And I think it's it's half just the government putting, what was the best way to put it? The government pushing ideology where it just doesn't make any sense and it's not supported by the facts or scientific evidence. Yet we're mm -hmm. still pushing that top down for some reason. It's got like nothing to do with facts or science. It's mostly about like political talking points and sometimes religious ideology, blah, blah. So yeah, that's where I think the link has been for me anyway. Industries that we're talking about require a certain resilience and I would say fearlessness, even though that's a cheesy word. 
I'm curious, when did you become the type of person who would put themselves in that situation or what experiences in your life have like led to you being here now? Wow, that's a big question, but like a really good question. Thinking back prior to transition, because like obviously coming out is a is a thing, even though the climate was maybe a little bit better for trans people at that point when I actually came out in 2020, I guess now. I think it's just being willing to speak truth to power in a lot of like activist circles, whether that was like on Twitter when I, I wasn't real name doxed yet and, you know, would tell politicians when they would say, all kinds of crazy things about cannabis being legalized from it'll cause a communist revolution to a constitutional crisis. And also telling them that in person when there were the round of consultations happening here in Vancouver, which was really funny because I don't think they really expected anyone to question them on their nonsense. Working in the cannabis industry kind of had to be a bit fearless because that was my first real experience with startups. And in a very highly regulated industry in a different way than crypto is, but still, I was the vice president of regulatory affairs, which basically means like being glued to Twitter, reading government documents and praying that some few, some out of touch politicians aren't going to like end your company with some stupid law or rule or regulation they're going to pass. <laughs> Sounds uh, like crypto so, too. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you kind of have to be fearless to do that. Mm-hmm. So there's that. And I think coming out and being very visible and very vocal, like cannabis had a lot of the same problems tech does with regards to inclusion and women and trans people. What I've learned is that like a lot of people share these opinions, but they don't feel like, I guess, either empowered to say them publicly or, you know, well, that's just going to harm my, my professional aspirations, even though it's true. So why am I going to say it? If nothing's going to change. hundred percent. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Everything pretty much since then has been needing to be fearless by necessity, you know, whether it's professionally or going to like Florida, for example, I went to Art Basel and I'm going back to Florida actually in April, but to go to a place where it's not legal for me to use the bathroom that is aligned to my gender at the airport. So I don't like to put like identity forward kind of stuff, but you kind of have to be fearless to, to be a trans person. In current year. I was looking through your Substack and I saw you have a piece called Why I'm Still Here, a Web3 Love Letter, which I will link in the show notes. I want to connect the dots there too. You talk about cannabis, some psychedelics, you're talking about sex work and crypto. All of these spaces benefit so much from having people in the room who aren't just either scared of what's happening in terms of like law or I think the other attitude I've seen in crypto is just being like fuck the government (laughs) and that's valid but that's also not necessarily helpful in actually making progress. I think that's a big part of crypto and web3 is actually building things and being a builder. I wrote that because ever since leaving cannabis for a very normie job I just have never felt anything like it did when I was in cannabis. When you're actually like we fought the government and won basically, and then you're like building stuff on top of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you can say crypto has fought the government and won yet. Not according to maybe TBD. the... <laughs> yeah, well, the balance of the court cases maybe is not in crypto's favor right now. But yeah, like I just never felt anything like that before. And like I was at a, at a point, like one of the reasons I actually left my last company prior to the one I'm currently doing a little contract at was because we pivoted into web two for a whole bunch of reasons which were valid f- from a business perspective 
And I took that product to launch because I wanted to finish off. I had put a good four or five months of work into it. I definitely needed a little bit of time off. I needed to be back in Web3. Like I just knew mm-hmm. from that year of working in Web3 that like that's where I needed to be. The same way I knew when I was in cannabis, I was like, oh yeah, this is where I'm meant to be right now. Because the, the vibes were not the same, but similar. Not to to my own horn too much, but you know, I wrote that at a time when everyone was like fleeing crypto, everyone was going to like AI startups, none of the, like, like, okay, I just want to be blunt up. A lot of the people who are all up on like Farcaster now are carpetbaggers who like left and they're just now coming back. And every time they, they're posting their little like thought posting, oh, here's my broad, vague cast on something. I'm like, please go away. That's a different podcast, but it's just very similar due to a whole bunch of things. Are you, do you want to talk about Minstars at all? Uh, I would love to talk about Minstars. Okay. There's a whole conversation we could probably have on how crypto has been perhaps overexcited and under-delivering for people that work in sex work. But I'd love to keep it more positive and just talk about your experience and maybe explain what it is, what kind of content you're going to be creating and why you're excited about it. Yeah. So, I mean, Minstars is basically like an on-chain OnlyFans. And I know there are a couple different takes on that but i really liked mint stars when i first heard about it because i like heard about it a long time ago when jessica the the ceo was like recruiting for a like technical co-founder she was like trying to find sex workers to, to like fill that position and i mean jessica's really cool she has she went to to a j school i think and she like her phd is in public policy. I'm not sure if it's like sex work specifically, because I would be very surprised if that was an actual official like PhD <laughs> specialty you could go into. But I've typically enjoyed working the most or like have the most respect for companies for a mission forward like that are basically using capitalism as a venue for like activism, which is, is typically very difficult. It was much that way with my cannabis company here in Canada. I just loved how forward she was and, and open about it she was. And she would post pictures of her on LinkedIn going to lobby for sex worker rights before Congress and before other bodies of government. So I'm like, love yeah, that. like this is what I want. Like, okay, I love all the crypto it girls. I love all the VC it girls, wonderful people. But those aren't the people who are being harmed by these regulations. And maybe Jessica specifically isn't either. But having people who really understand what's mm-hmm. happening. I met Jessica when I went to Miami last year and we talked for a bit and I kind of decided within the, the last month or two, probably that I haven't done a lot of official modeling, but I mm-hmm. am kind of going to be doing that now. So I thought I would reward Jessica with my presence on her platform because she's kind of reached out a couple of <laughs> times like, Hey, Ivy, we need more latex content. And I said, well, okay, fine. I guess now that I have more free time to do it and like a whole bunch of other things. So I'm really pumped about doing that. And I mean, it's like, it was a very delicate decision for me because it's true that even with traditional OnlyFans, once you cross that barrier, you can't go back. And I was thinking, well, if there's going to be NFTs of me hanging around the blockchain forever, it's not going to be... When you think of typical OnlyFans content, that's probably not what it's going to be, but it's, but like, I guess it's going to be like subversive enough that I think it would push the boundaries. And I think that's the problem now. People will get shamed if, if photos service or even, fuck, I forget the founder's name, but, but she posted bikini photos of her. Nothing like 
mm-hmm. like racy even, I would say just her in a bikini and Twitter lost their mind. Like, oh, this, this founder is posting these inappropriate pictures. People with the privilege to kind of be able to do that need to do that. Whether it's like, without going into TMI, my kind of niche is latex and, you know, it doesn't have to be that that far into fans territory, I guess, but even just, just posting slightly sexy pictures, I think is really, really important, especially now that we're seeing this social conservative pushback. I think it's a very easy way for people to be subversive. There are a lot of ways to do activism and be subversive. One is direct activism, which was my time in cannabis. And I loved it and it was really fun, (laughs) but I think there are other ways now to do it. And it's always a really hard transition to go from screaming at the government basically to working constructively. And I think that's where things need to focus on now. I mean, crypto, there's a lot of yelling at the government still to be done, but that will only get you so far, I think. I love the framing of that. And I I think we should talk about some of the conversations that have been going on around censorship in Web3 social spaces, specifically Farcaster. I think what you're pointing out is the incentive model and the sort of like standards of conduct and I'd say that with like a big eye roll. (laughs) Activism looks like challenging those things and that can be really small, like taking on the side project of making content. Those are not, I guess, always considered activist actions and so I love the way you frame that. It's an interesting thing to reconcile revealing parts of yourself that don't necessarily mesh with you know you're a technical person as you've described yourself you are also a person who has worked in very serious roles like vp of regulatory affairs and you don't want to be taken obviously none of us would want to be taken less seriously for something that we felt was authentic to us in terms of content creation right whether that's a bikini photo or content on Minstars or anything else for that matter. And so I think that's a that's a really big challenge just to call it out for for people that work in these spaces is just how do you do that? It's a very meta thing to talk about on the platforms that we're posting the content that we're feeling anxious or whatever about. So I think that leads kind of into the the whole trending moment. It's something that has been talked about a lot on and off as social platforms have exploded and they've cracked down on not safe for work content. But it seems like people are pissed, specifically Ellie, I'll call out right now that forms like Warpcast, the app, won't allow not safe for work content. As someone who used to be a co-founder at a Web3 social startup, I understand that the founder of Farcaster does not want his app to be taken from the app store. And like, that is the reality of the situation is if there's sexual content that pops up, particularly stuff that is not just 18 plus legitimate, but like fucked up, you know, child pornography, whatever, that's really bad. (laughs) But it's also legitimate that like people who came to Web3 because of the hope that there would be less censorship and more self-sovereign, you know, ability to post like, you posted a really interesting take and I'll let you sort of share it in your own words. But I think this is like a very tip of the iceberg of something that we're going to see more and more of as these types of platforms take off. Yeah. So, I mean, I was thinking about it because there's a, there's a slash adult channel on Farcaster that you can view in Warpcast right now. And I'm sorry to those dudes because I'm sure they're wonderful people, but it's a bunch of dudes posting the most cringe adult cartoony 
dad joke stuff. So I want there to be more content in that channel because it's real bad right now. But I was thinking, okay, so again versus and said, okay, you can post adult stuff there. Like there's a tipping thing on Farcaster now using the DGN coin, you know, which is fine. But let's say I have like a whole bunch of content that like I wanted to post like latex photo shoots or like whatever. Am I going to post it there necessarily? Or am I going to post links to, to my mint star stuff? Right. So I think the issue is not that specifically content that's the surface issue, but I think going deeper, there aren't adult content creators even trying to post stuff there. Um, right. in cannabis, we call it creative compliance that yes, this was the rule, but how far can you push it or what's a different way to like get around it? So I totally understand where Ellie's coming from because sex workers are the first people to get disadvantaged on platforms and what happens to sex workers will be, will be what happens to everyone else in like six months or a year or like two years. Um, but I think it's, it's that people haven't really tried because there needs to be more adult content creators and so, and it's, it's a catch 22 because you need a viable path to like income for them to actually migrate to a very niche still like social network. I don't think Dan is like bad and I don't think it's intentional and you know, you probably understand that they need Dow right now and anything that's going to take away even dev cycles or any energy from that is something they're not going to do. And Dan just posted a thing today about how working at Coinbase taught him like pragmatic, uh, crypto development and like all that stuff. So a TLDR probably is that I totally get where people are coming from, but I think it hasn't really even been tried that much or if adult content creators did come, people could still tip them if they post a mint stars or other company links, I haven't really tried. And I would like us to try before we, you know, kind of shit on our caster <laughs> like Dan, uh, who is, is open to these things. I think the fact that it's early stage enough that he's actually engaging, he replied to one of Ellie's tweets about it. Like that's already something that you don't get in web two social. Yeah, that's a big part of when when sex workers and people posting not safe for work content get banned or blocked or shadow banned or whatever. There's not a lot of engagement and explanation. So I would say that, you know, hats off to him for actually showing up even right. momentarily to engage with that. And there's no best practice for what does it look like to let sex workers exist on primary social platforms. And so then how do we let people share what they do, advertise their content that they're making. And then, like you said, redirect to something like Mint Stars. There's a nuanced conversation around creating essentially a sales funnel as a content creator yeah. without having to actually put porn on like a primary social feed. Cause maybe you don't want that there either, right? Yeah. And let's be clear about the actual like technical details. Farcaster is the protocol and Warpcast is the client. And like, there's nothing stopping anyone from like making a like adult content client, but then the thing is people have to use it. And then are people, are people going to use that probably not right away? And then that impacts your distribution. When Twitter started cracking down a bit on sex workers due to like FOSTA SESTA and the back page trial, which is a whole, like, once again, whole other podcast on that. I will um, find some resources on that and link if people want to dive in, cause that's a rabbit hole that is probably worth knowing about if you're going to engage totally. in this conversation. Yeah, totally. And I have to give a shout out to Elizabeth Nolan Brown from Reason, who like her pieces on sex work are so good. But anyway, when Twitter really started cracking down or even things like Backpage or Craigslist did, then I mean, sex workers put up their own Mastodon instance, which was, I don't know if it was called Trist or if that's a separate thing, but like they 
basically had to do it because they had nowhere else to go, more or less. It hasn't been experimented with enough in Web2 Social, probably because you're still kind of at the mercy of the overlords. And if you read like Elon's politics, he's not going to be a pro-sex worker. <laughs> and you're still like, you can build your whole house on like rented ground. And one day your landlord can just like take a match and like burn your house down on Web2 Social. So like, mm -hmm. I would rather, like, I would rather people do more experimenting there, but I understand why they don't, because like, why are you going to put all that work? Like when you could go to something like Farcaster and like build an adult client and you have more, more freedom and more fire insurance than you would on mm -hmm. Twitter whenever Elon decides to go full trad and, you know, like only let pictures of women barefoot in the kitchen or whatever else you want to put in that line. Forms have done the opposite. They've used sex workers to build an initial momentum, Patreon being one of them, OnlyFans being another. And then when payment processors were like, hey, we don't really want this, they've kicked those people off and deplatformed them. And that to me sucks more than just being like, hey, I can't do this because I wanna be in the app store. I wanna wrap up by giving you the floor to share what your hopes are for the space. I think you are someone who, because of your background, has the ability to balance out your hopefulness and optimism and also just understanding the speed at which things tend to move and the implications of you know, regulation that doesn't necessarily hit the mark. So I'll say for where crypto and sex work kind of meet specifically, what do you hope for the space? What do you think will happen in a best case scenario? And what are you sort of worried about when it comes to the future? Okay, that's a really good question. So I mean, the concerns of sex work and regular crypto are actually kind of the same because like where is most of the best stuff going to happen it'll be in like operation choke point things in terms of fiat like off ramp because as great as it would be if you could pay for everything with bitcoin or <laughs> ETH, I mean, most of the time some landlords do take payment in crypto but like most of them don't and you, like you need those off ramps so i mean there's that part of it i think that with the balkanization of even web2 social media after elon did whatever he did to Twitter, depending on, on like who you ask, that we're not going to see these, like what I usually like describe as, as the one big playground model anymore. Cause and even Dan says that's not his goal with Farcaster. Mm -hmm. um, you'll see a lot more experimentation now because there's blue sky, there's Farcaster, there's lens, there's a whole bunch of different places you can go. So, I mean. I think it'll be harder for regulators to really keep up with the pace <clears throat> of things. What I would be hopeful for is that what crypto would enable for sex workers would help them basically stay ahead of regulators. I'm actually more worried about pushback on sex workers specifically in regulations than crypto necessarily, because mm -hmm. I mean, what they usually drum up, and yes, I don't really like politicians, but what they usually drum up is the same thing that they did for Tor, the onion router. It's like, oh, it's like all child porn, it's all these other things, it's so bad. We like we need the government to like step in and like regulate it. So like there's more of a moral fervor incentive, whatever, for them to go after sex work specifically, because then they'll drum up 
like baseless things about uh, like sex trafficking and like child prostitution and everything they did in the back page case that the the judge had to t- had to give a, a mistrial because of how like ridiculous the prosecutor is being so i mean that's kind of what i worry about i worry about crypto too that elizabeth warren will convince enough uh, of her colleagues to go after crypto that we have an even worse time and gary gensler clones himself somehow so the whole sec committee is him and, the, and everyone <laughs> what would happen that like if that were to come what i'm hopeful for is that sex workers will be supported by at least protocols if not a specific platform and and like be given kind of a digital home again that will help with some of the safety concerns because with sex work specifically the nordic model is awful and it's usually backdoor for a lot of bad legislation there's a danger to that with crypto as well that compromise legislation is usually prohibition light we've seen that so many times in cannabis and like with with psychedelics too like prohibition light isn't really any better it's the most dangerous thing actually because then people think the battle's won and oh look we like legalized this i'm just hopeful that sex workers have the means to support themselves and out of touch politicians read some history they call it the world's oldest profession for a reason <laughs> not just to have a cute little soundbite i love that today we were able to have a nuanced discussion around what it looks like to participate in creating NSFW content while not being or maybe identifying fully as a sex worker and and having that be your profession. I think the parallels between the regulatory challenges of cannabis and crypto and sex work and psychedelics continue to offer interesting insights. And I really appreciate you coming on and sharing openly what you're doing personally, your history with this space and your hopes for the future. So thank you. Thank you, Katie. This has been a really good topic and I miss talking about this stuff. It's been a long time. And as I said before, there's been a lot of like, what's it like to be a woman or a trans woman or whatever in tech, which is kind of boring sometimes. So (laughs) I very much enjoy chances to talk about this stuff which does not get nearly enough airtime we are expanding the space so that it doesn't all get squished together and just demonized that's the goal here 